You're going to war now. You're going to be somebody's bitch in Sing Sing. It's time to take a look at what's happening in the National Hockey League on this uh, 462nd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here. We hope you are well wherever you're listening to Unscripted. And uh, we have some breaking news. And to bring the breaking news to you, I hand the mic to the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Fluke. Thanks, Mike. Well, uh, we got a couple stories out of San Jose today regarding the San Jose Sharks. Both broke just in the last uh, couple of hours here. And so uh, number one is that Eric Carlson is out for the year with a broken left wrist. Mm. And so that ends his season. And, uh, you know, Burns has had some problems too. Uh, Sharks are having a bad year already and it's about to get worse. I think here, not that Carlson's been that great this year. He has not looked like he used to back in the day. So that's been a bit questionable for them, but that's not looking good. And now this one actually makes me smile. This is nice. Uh, This gentleman is now suspended for three games. He's our favorite Vegas deadbeat for not paying his gambling debts at the Cosmopolitan. We're talking about Evander Kane. And he has been suspended for three games for elbowing the Winnipeg Jets' Neil Pionk. And so, yeah, three games, he's out. So I'm sure he'll spend the time finding a new place in Vegas to go and lose money and not pay his debts. Is um, is his name Doug Wilson? Doug Wilson was is the, the general manager. Uh, is he still? These I days? don't know. I don't know if I don't know. is still these days. Well, whoever the general manager is of the San Jose Sharks, this is going to be an unbelievably important offseason for the San Jose Sharks. There's a lot of money tied up in a lot of players. Oh, wow. it is still... I. You know what? I, for some reason, thought that it wasn't him anymore. I can't believe it's still Doug Wilson. He's been the GM there forever. Yeah. Wow. Um, this might be his most important... If he doesn't get canned at the end of the year, because think about it, at the beginning of the year, the San Jose Sharks with all the talent that they have accumulated over the years, high-priced, albeit, but with all the high-priced talent, you talk about Kane, you talk about Erickson, you talk about Burns, you talk about Joey Thornton, you talk about, you know, they brought back Patrick Marlowe. Um, you know, this is a team that you can honestly say, in a Western Conference that's bunched up as much as it is, with about five or six teams you know, fighting for those last five and six playoff positions in the Western Conference, and San Jose ain't one of them. It's a huge offseason, upcoming offseason for the LA Kings front office, Messrs. Robitaille and Blake, and uh, I don't hold out much hope for those two idiots. Sorry, but uh, just the way I feel. But alternatively, 500 miles up the coast from Los Angeles in San Jose, it's going to be a hellacious offseason as well for Doug Wilson and his staff in San Jose because, boy, oh boy, they've got a lot of overpriced and underwhelming talent up there in San Jose. And right now, they've already fired their coach. They fired the clown Peter DeBoer back in November. He's found a job down in Las Vegas, which still scares the shit out of me. But regardless of that, big off-seasons ahead for the... Well, you got, and you better include Anaheim in this too. All those teams, those California teams... Big, big off season coming up for the San Jose Sharks, the Los Angeles Kings, and the 
Anaheim Ducks because those are three teams that are not playing very good hockey right now in the National Hockey League. No, but okay, and I just saw this right now, literally. I didn't know this before. I saw this in the last few seconds here while you were talking. Evander Kane on his Twitter just released his statement, and he's not very happy. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah, he's, well, they're probably, you know, he's probably going to, I don't know if he's suspended without pay, then I guess he might miss out on some gambling money. But uh, so his thing, his uh, statement says, the fact the NHL Department of Player Safety, headed by George Peros, continues to pick and choose who and what they suspend is ridiculous. There have been countless incidents of the same nature through this season and past seasons that have gone unsuspended or fined. No one person can tell you what is or isn't a suspension in today's game. It's become a complete guess. There is a major lack of consistency with NHL Department Player of Safety. A completely flawed system in so many ways. From the suspensions to appeal rights, it's baffling to me how we as players agreed to this. You can't continue to give some players a pass and throw the book at others. There has to be an outside third party making these decisions to remove the bias that transpires in this department headed by George Peros. None of it makes any sense. Now, in a vacuum, I actually kind of agree with a lot of that. The only thing is that Evander Kane, I think, is missing out on the fact that if you have a reputation as Bingo. a cheap shot artist or an asshole, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which he qualifies yeah. in both categories. Or someone who doesn't pay their gambling debts and makes right. the whole NHL look bad. Or you're just known as just kind of a shitty person. Uh, and that combined, your reputation combined with li your literal track record of things you've done in your life and on the ice and off. Uh, you're, you're going to have some deserved bias there, or you're just going to be paying the price for not learning from your past mistakes. So other than that, I actually agree with a lot of what he said there, even though it was said in anger. I think I have a lot of those same concerns. I haven't been impressed with Peros. Obviously, there should be an outside impartial third party, obviously. Like, that's not even a question. So that's great otherwise, but Evander Kane is a really funny person to be talking about how life isn't fair you know it's funny i think um after that statement i think that um evander kane is going to get another call from george peros that's all oh, i'm going sure to say. that's all i'm going to say sure he is. <laughs> i bet peros has evander kane and guys like that on speed dial mm -hmm. and and again you hit it right on the head i don't need to reiterate any of that all i will say is that once you have a reputation in league office there's a set of rules for guys that are first-time offenders, and then there's a set of rules for boneheads. And I think Evander Kane qualifies under the bonehead category, and that's why he probably feels that he was unjustly punished. But again, this isn't his first rodeo, and he is paying for, let's just say, past transgressions. How's that? Yeah. Okay. Um, other news more important than Evander Kane in the National Hockey League. A lot of things happening this week in the National Hockey League. Let's start on Tuesday night in Anaheim. This um, is something that um, I found to be combination scary and a little bit surprised at the end result. And I'll explain why. And I know Chris will want to, and I want Chris, obviously, to uh, put his two cents worth in. But back on Tuesday night in Anaheim at the Pond, I don't know, they call it the Honda Center now, I guess. St. Louis Blues defenseman Jay Bullmeister suffered a cardiac episode during the first period of the game in which Bullmeister needed team doctors to use a defibrillator on him in order to revive him after becoming unresponsive on the bench. Team officials are saying that everything is fine and Bullmeister, as of yesterday, was still 
in California, resting peacefully at the UC Irvine Medical Center. And uh, he was just waiting for clearance to fly back to St. Louis. But I have a question. Here's my question. Because of this incident, the game was postponed. Was the NHL correct in postponing this game? Now, I am not, I I want this to be crystal clear when I say this. Um, I am not poo-pooing the National Hockey League, and I'm not poo-pooing the situation involving Jay Bomeister. The, The individual potentially obviously could have died. This is somebody, this is talking from somebody, meaning me, that's had a heart attack. I, I, I get that part of it. But they were able to revive him, get him on a stretcher, get him out of the arena. Did the National Hockey League do the correct thing in postponing this game? Now, again, I don't want to put a simplistic spin in this. I don't want to show disrespect. Because, again, if there hadn't been trained technician there technicians there and and certified trainers there and doctors there again but because all of those people were there Bomeister was probably in better hands than a person sitting outside the Honda Center let's say or a set, or a person sitting in downtown LA um that didn't have access to all these medical professionals but why was this and again this is just for conversation purposes here, folks. Okay. But why was this game postponed and a guy that blows out a knee? Why wasn't a game postponed when a guy blows out a knee? But when Bo Meester has this situation happen to him, and and again, I, I understand that Bo Meester could have died, but I also want to make it perfectly clear that Bo Meester had access to unbelievably qualified and certified team trainers and doctors and emergency personnel right there. So yes, Bo Meester could have died, but he probably was in an advantageous position in regard to access to people that could help him right there in the Honda Center, Honda Center in Anaheim. So again, I ask the question, What do you think, or was the National Hockey League proper in postponing this game when we don't postpone a game for a guy that blows out a knee or blows out an Achilles or something that is more free? I mean, obviously happens on more on a day-to-day basis, but did the National Hockey League do the right thing in postponing this game because of this situation involving Blues defenseman Jay Bomeister? No, they did not, in my opinion, and I understand if people disagree with that, but the thing is here, he never died or anything like that. The problem here is that people are going to have flashbacks to Rich Peverly of the Dallas Stars yep. uh, in a similar thing. All of a sudden, a guy slumps over while sitting on the bench. It's like, oh, no, what's going on, right? I remember when Andre uh, Pavlich, uh, who was goaltending for the Atlanta Thrashers at the time, about two minutes into the first period... He's standing, the play's at the other end of the ice, he's standing in his net, all of a sudden he just falls over. And they had to run out there. It turned out he was just really dehydrated in the end. So, I mean, he was okay, but they didn't stop the game because it was before the Peverly thing. But when Peverly happened, and he literally died for a couple minutes laying there in the hallway, uh, that really scared the hell out of people. And I mean, he... They revived him in the hallway? Yeah. Oh, shit. 
Yeah, literally he was, they dragged him out there and he's literally lying there just past the benches. And all of a sudden he woke up and he said, uh, you know, they had, they revived him and he said, he said he felt in, extremely hot. Like it was a weird feeling, like he had been dead briefly. And he, come, wow. he said it was a really weird feeling. And, and Rich Peverly, and this is the difference between hockey players and say soccer players, Rich Peverly asked to be put back in the game. Get out. <laughs> Whoa. Like he didn't wow. want he didn't want to miss the rest didn't of miss the shift. No. Like he literally died and he wants to go back in the game. So I and I appreciate that attitude and everything, but this was not the same. This looked the same at the beginning. A guy slumps over on the bench unconscious out of nowhere. Yes, there's a medical issue happening. Once they get him out of there, look, if he then if Jay Bowmeister then let's say they continue the game and Jay Bowmeister does die, they get word that he passed away. At that point, I'm okay. I can see like canceling the game. It's it's pretty tough when your buddy's sitting there all of a sudden he's dead and okay, that's fine. But we have to assume the guy's not gonna die. I know that and even Peverly, who did die, got brought back to life and was okay. But we have to assume the guy's not gonna die. A lot of people, you know, were thousands and thousands of people there at the game and I you know, and again we always go back to the the guy who's taking his kid there. I mean, a lot of these people, this is in Anaheim where Disneyland is. Like a lot of people Bingo. are there for Disneyland and they're on a special family vacation, probably not going to go see a hockey game on its own any other time in their life potentially. And so I think this was a really, uh, you know, this may have uh, ruined a really special day for a lot of families and a lot of people. And I, and I think it was the wrong thing. You get word that he's not okay. He's dead. Okay. Yeah, sure. Cancel the game. But just because this looks similar to one thing that happened one time ever, uh, I just I don't think it was the right thing to do. I mean, if it's if it's a seven-one game and there's two minutes left in the game, just end the game. Oh, okay, fine. But when you're still in the first period and uh, and the guy's probably going to be okay, but it looks like one bad situation where the guy still was okay another time, that's not enough for me. I think it was the wrong call. I think it was overly safe. And I just, I really disagree with it. And I, I just, I, I think it's another case of not considering the fans Correct. well enough. Well said. Um, I, I just, uh, it was funny. Chris sent me a text wanting to talk about this when it happened Tuesday night. I f- didn't know about it till Chris had alerted me about it. I did a quick little read about what happened. And I'm sitting here and I was in total agreement with Chris. Why did they postpone this game? Um. Again, I don't want to come off as an as a non-caring asshole here. No, well, me neither. But and and neither one of us are. We're stating our opinion, and our opinion is, and I'll stand by my opinion, is that with the medical personnel that were there in very close, you know, in a very close contained area, in regard to where this happened to Jay, Jay Bomeister, um. He was going to be okay. I truly believe that with all the medical personnel and all of the advances in technology and medicine that we have, these are, this is the National Hockey League. This is the greatest professional hockey league in the world. And they have all the technical advancements. They have all the medical people that you could think of that are there to take care of these 20 hockey players on both sides. So I was very surprised that they had postponed this game. And um, the cynical side of me, the asshole, the true asshole side of me says, well, then when somebody blows out a knee next time, we need to postpone the game. 
Um, they don't do it for that. And I don't think, with all due respect to Bo Meester and his family and the St. Louis organization, with all due respect to them, this game, in both of our opinions, should not have been postponed. That's right. And I, I look, when, when it's an actual death, then that's crazy. Like when Owen Hart died at a live event. Now that's again, something else. But that one, they continued the show. Which, really? Yes. And so, see, then that's the other side. Then that's that's going too far the other way. So people didn't, most people couldn't really see it happen because when Owen Hart fell from the rafters right. at Kemper Arena in Kansas City yep. on uh, May 23rd, 1999, he fell down and he, it was dark. The arena was dark at the time. Right. So people, it's not like people saw it and were horrified or whatever. All of a sudden he's just in the ring and no one knows what happened. But then they literally wheel... They wheeled him past the wrestlers, and then Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker still had to go out and have a main event match. That would be hard. That would be hard, yeah, for sure. And Owen was a really well, you know, beloved guy there. Right. And so then they kept going. Vince just, you know, kept the show going. See, you stop the show there because there's a death of a, of a famous guy, and all the guys are just distraught. Like, sure, absolutely. Then I get it. But you know what? We've had so many times I've seen, especially growing up, athletes compare this to war they're like i'm a soldier and this is war out there and blah 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 and for someone like mike who's been in a war zone that I know bothers he, me that bothers me more than almost anything anybody can oh for say sure for sure to it me would. for sure that it would. bothers me more than anything in the world and i'm thinking about the soldiers that have lost their lives in real war not some football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. I remember, and this is why I am not disappointed that this piece of shit will be in jail for the rest of his life. And I'm talking about Kellen Winslow Jr., mm-hmm. who says, I'm going to uh, war. I'm a I'm going, soldier. I'm a soldier. I'm going to war. Fuck you. Fuck you, Kellen Winslow. And then you're in jail now because you like to rape old women. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you piece of shit. You're going to war now. You're going to be somebody's bitch in Sing Sing. I get pumped up about this because I'm sitting here and I'm one of the few percentage of the percentile of the population that has actually been in a war zone. And I can take it one step further when I saw people actually get blown up because of being in a war zone. And all those people were trying to do from the Pennsylvania Air National Guard was to do their duty for their country. That is war. What Kellen Winslow Jr. fails to fucking realize, two things. First of all, he's an idiot. Second of all, is that a football game is not war. War is a whole different thing. Nobody is dying on a football field. Protecting their country. Um, that, that term, I'm going to war, by guys that would never have the would never have the balls to sign up for military service first and foremost. But that comment bothers me to no end. And I sit here and think about all the people, especially, and I still do this when I go to Vegas, I still go and visit the VA hospital in Las Vegas. And I see people and soldiers that gave their lives and have watched their lives rot away in a hospital bed because of what happened while they were serving their country in a wartime scenario. And when I see a privileged piece of shit like Kellen Winslow say, I'm going to war, you don't have a fucking clue. I wish Kellen Winslow would pick up the phone on his one free call to freedom and call me and talk to me about what going to war is all about. 
And I can tell you something, you goddamn idiot. I would school you on that. I guarantee you that. Before my heart blows up, let's go to something better. Um, um, I just get so pissed off about that because people have no idea. There's only probably 15 to 20% of the population of America. And I'll use the United States because I'm an American and I was part of the United States Air Force. There's only how many, maybe... 15 to 20% of the population that can realistically sit here and have an intelligent conversation about what it means to go to war. I think one of the things for a sitting president of the United States should have to be, you have to have spent some time serving your country in a war or just serving your country in the military. So I'm not going to go on that soapbox right now because Chris would get bored and I'd be back in the hospital with a stroke. Um, Zach Cassian, let's go there. Um, tough time for your Oilers right now. Um, shorthanded already with the injuries to the best player in the game in Connor McDavid. Also, injuries to James Neal, who was put on IR earlier this week. He's a 20-goal scorer again, just like he should have been last year here in Calgary. The team will have to continue, continue to lean heavily on Leon Drysaddle and Ryan Nugent Hopkins in the short term. But this is a team that right now is very shorthanded, and I don't think, even though I agree with you wholeheartedly about what Cassian and and what he did to the ragdoll down here, I'm not even going to mention his name anymore. We know who we're talking about. I do believe, though, in the situation that the Edmonton is in regard to their playoff position and they're shorthanded with the injuries, it was a pretty stupid thing, I feel, for Zach Cassian to do when he gets the seven-game suspension for the kick with his skate blade on Thursday night. I know this is difficult for you because you you like me with the Packers, you with the Oilers, but I have to say in this case, my friend, that I think Zach Cassian didn't do his teammates any favors with a, with a quick minute of stupidity on the ice Thursday in Tampa. Well, you're right, but this is a tough one because... Look, I mean, if you're going to suspend someone for kicking, yeah, like the guy's on the ground, he goes and kicks him in the head, that's, you know, that's that's something else. But this was such a weird situation where, you know, and it's not like even, I don't think, where he's, oh, you know, he could either control his temper or not, and if he loses temper, he kicks the guy. It's He's laying on the ground, and he, you know, the guy's holding his leg for some reason, he's trying to shake his leg free. It was... You know, it was just a weird situation. I don't think he thought anything of it at the time. I don't think he's thinking there like, I'm mad and I'm going to kick this guy. <laughs> like, that's that's not what happened. You can say it was a kick if you want, but there's no way you can say he's sitting there, I'm going to kick this guy. This is how I kick. Like, no, it's not. So uh, seven games, I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it sure backs up Evander Kane. Like, you know, what is the penalty for kicking? I don't know. Right. And, and, and is that a kick? What is a kick? I mean, they, they really haven't quite fleshed that out. Not that you should have to get too involved on kicking in the NHL. It shouldn't be a, a very common thing. But yeah, I just feel bad. That was just unlu- uh, unlucky there to be in that weird situation. Cassian said it felt like they were down there for a lifetime and all seems trying to get up and this guy's holding his leg for some reason. He wants to get free. It was just a, an unfortunate circumstance. I don't think Cassian just kicks a guy on the ground out of anger at this point. So, yeah, but you know what? McDavid's out for a bit and Neil's out and now Cassian. But you know what? I have to say, I'm really confident. I really am. And I just, I told you right when the McDavid thing happened, 
I said, I'm I'm not feeling bad about it. We this is not the same Oilers from before. I mean, Drysidle is outscoring even McDavid, and Drysidle now is in the driver's seat to win the Art Ross this year. He's doing great. Kyler Yamamoto has absolutely emerged as a mm-hmm. legit first or second line option. They've been running Nuge and Drysidle and Yamamoto as the de facto second line, even though they've essentially been the best line. It's just that McDavid's automatically going to be the first line no matter who he plays with. And they tried some experimental guys up there. Ken Holland's depth signings of Josh Archibald and Riley Shane have absolutely paid off, and Nygaard, who also is out right now. So a couple of them didn't work, but a couple of them uh, have really worked. Uh, Ethan Bear to emerge as a top-pairing right-handed defenseman, which is the unicorn in the NHL, to have that combination of a player and to do that right away as a as a as a young player on a, an entry-level deal. Amazing. Uh, the goaltending overall has usually been good. Uh, you know, for most of the year, Koskinen was the better guy. Lately, Smith has, has been doing better. And uh, overall, it's just great. As I speak right now, the Oilers just scored a goal and took a one nothing lead in a matinee matchup at the Florida Panthers. Adam Larson, of all people, has scored a goal from Darnell Nurse and Leon Dreisaitl. So another point for Dreisaitl. There we go. So I am not feeling bad at all. To be honest, even as tight as the race is, the Oilers have... Two to th- two or three or four games in hand over everybody, right. and are tied for second in the division right now. And honestly, I the way it's going, the top five teams in the division could all make the playoffs. The bottom three, the California teams, are all going to miss. But those top five could all make it because the Central Division has been a disappointment this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if one one of them gets in, so maybe one of the other ones doesn't. But I don't think that'll be the Oilers. I, I really, really am confident about the Oilers, even without McDavid and Neil and Cassian for a while. They'll come back. They'll be fresh for a playoff push if we do make it, which I'm I'm still really feeling good about. And uh, I, yeah, you know what? You're just not... No one's going to make me feel down unless I see them go on a big losing streak here. I, I'm not going to be down. I feel really, really good about the Oilers and what they have built. And congrats to Ken Holland and Dave Tippett. And they're all doing a great job. And I, I'm just... I'm really feeling good. I do want to send out um, congratulations to a couple of people. I'm I'm want to congratulate congratulate uh, Nurse for getting the contract extension in mm-hmm. Edmonton. I mm-hmm. think that was a good signing. He's uh, proved to be one of their core players for damn sure. And congratulations to him. Also, I want to send congratulations to Paul Maurice. Um, it has not been as good a year as in previous years in Winnipeg, but I think that the Winnipeg ownership realizes how good a coach that Paul Maurice is. It's funny, Paul Maurice said the other day when he signed his two-year contract extension, when he was addressing the media, he says, you know, ownership came to me. I told them what I needed. They took a look at, the, at, they took a look at that list, and they said, okay, good. They signed off and everything, and they gave me two-year extension. That's the way contract extensions and contract negotiations should be. You've got a good party. You want to keep them. You want to treat them right. And Paul Maurice through everything that he's been through this year, hasn't had Bufflin the whole year, has had a bunch of myriad of injuries there in Winnipeg this year. The team has underperformed, but I think, and I got to applaud the Winnipeg management, they've seen that the problem is not the coach. They know that, you know, it's been one of those weird years where things just aren't lining up, but it isn't because of Paul Maurice. And, you know, I think Paul Maurice was, I think he got the short stick in Toronto for damn sure. Oh, yeah. He was never a match there. And I, you know, you've got to be a special breed to be the coach in Toronto for damn sure. 
Uh, but I think Paul Maurice is one of the top three coaches in the National Hockey League. He's one of my favorite. I love the way he addresses the media. Very transparent. And I'm happy for him that he gets to continue on as the head hockey coach for the Winnipeg Jets. Congratulations. Yeah. Now, I, I, sorry, I just wanted to say yeah, I, I, I do love Paul Maurice too. Uh, the way he deals with media is unbelievable. He ta- he uh, he makes all the time in the world for them. He's so thoughtful and somber and honest and forthright, and he is just the model by which everyone else should be judged and, and measured, and he is just exactly who everyone should try to emulate when it comes to being a coach there. Yeah, they've had bad luck, and they had, you know, Bufflin out now, and now Brian Little's out for the year. Right. It was just announced. And you know what? But to, to be honest, at the beginning... Winnipeg basically signaled their intentions to almost rebuild. It was like it was going to be just a fire sale and they were going to be crappy. And now they're and there's and even with all this stuff going wrong and that attitude, they're still in playoff contention. Yep. Uh, they've got great fans, they've got a great coach and I love Paul Maurice and good for him and they are, the Winnipeg Jets are my third favorite team yep. and uh, all the best to them. Well, after what happened to our friend Gerard Gallant a couple weeks ago in Las Vegas, I may have moved Winnipeg up a little bit. I'm very disappointed in Bill Foley. I'm really disappointed in Kelly McCrimmon in uh, Las Vegas. And obviously, a couple weeks later, I'm still pissed off. Um, The reason I went with the Maurice thing was in the radio business, it's a segue to another coaching move. Mm. And this was uh, Bruce Boudreau. He became, on Friday, became the eighth National Hockey League coach to get fired in season this year. After new Minnesota Wild GM Bill Guerin fired Mr. Boudreaux on Friday. Funny to me, as this happens, Boudreaux had the Wild playing better as of late, as the team at the time of the firing was only three points out of a playoff spot. Uh, Rumor on the street, uh, Boudreaux was not happy with the trade of Zucker to Pittsburgh. Supposedly, he wanted Zucker in his lineup, and and, uh, Guerin shuffled him off to Pittsburgh. And also, it's been... uh, been made mention in the media world that uh, Boudreaux and Guerin were having trouble uh, with their philosophies, uh, the setting up of their different lines. And let's be honest, with Boudreaux, Boudreaux on a contract that expires at the end of this current season, he was that, uh, you know, he was... He was left out to left out to die. I mean, he was, uh, you know, what do they always say when, when a coach... Uh, is a uh, uh, the lame duck. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that Bruce Boudreaux was the lame duck in Minnesota. And this is Bill Guerin's first big transaction, if you will, as the general manager of the Minnesota Wild. Funny, this is the third year in a row Boudreaux has had a different GM to work with. And this one finally was the, the final straw in St. Paul. Uh, Boudreaux is a good hockey coach, folks. He really is. He will land on his feet somewhere. The problem he may find, though, is that there are a lot of really good hockey coaches right now on the unemployment line. Oh, yeah. You think about it. Uh, Mike Babcock's on the unemployment line. Boudreaux's on the unemployment line. Gerard Gallant is still on the unemployment line. Um, our guy, the, the guy from here, Bill Peters, I mean, even though he's a racist pig, um, you know, he's still... I want to see what happens with Peters and Babcock. And all I'm, that. I'm wondering. I wonder if they'll. I wonder if again. they're going to get a job, and, and maybe they will. But I think there's going to be a time. There's going to be a, a time. I think 
There's going to be a little downtime between when Babcock and Peters, I think, get another opportunity. I really do. And I think that's a natural connectivity, and we've talked about it here on Unscripted. I think there's a natural connectivity that Ronnie Francis should be given Gerard Gallant a call. Not I, think, I mean, if you need a guy that knows how to coach any team, but especially in the rarefied air of coaching expansion team, your first call should go to yeah, Gerard Gallant good. because he's done it in Vegas. And I think he can do it in Seattle again. And that would be my first call. Nothing wrong with having an exploratory phone call. That's for damn sure. That's for sure. But I just want to say with Bruce Boudreaux, it's like I always say, show me a good coach and I'll show you a good goaltender. Show me the Minnesota Wild and I'll show you Devin Dubnik. (laughs) Another one of your buddies. Oh boy, he'd be on the (laughs) list. And let's look at Devin Dubnik's stats this year. 10 and 16. Oh, that sucks. Save percentage under 900. You know, it just yeah. war- it just warms my heart. I know. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, as we're broadcasting here, today being the 15th, so we've got nine days until the NHL's trading deadline. Are you hearing anything new from what we talked about last week? No, not really. And here's the thing with the trade deadline in the NHL. And, and maybe it's because a lot of these guys are, you know, good old Canadian kids, you know, at heart. But they just it seems so conservative to me and you always hear like the media tries to make it exciting and there's been okay years but then you get like was that last year where it was just hours and hours of the guys sitting around and they're just like you know it's just like bob mckenzie says on his twitter account i don't know if it's still in his bio but he says we're going to talk about nothing till nothing's enough (laughs) And, and uh it's you know, there's just times where nothing happens. They're sitting around and they just almost have to laugh at themselves. And then, you know, someone you've never heard of will get traded for a seventh round pick. And it's like, all right, well, let's see this guy's career highlights. And it's just, it, you feel bad for them. And you hear about all these big deals that could happen. And then everyone's too scared to pull the trigger. And I just have no expectations for the trade deadline anymore at all. I would like to see the Oilers make a move. I don't think we'll see anything more than a depth trade. Like the biggest thing we could possibly see would be getting Kovalchuk for a second or third round pick, which I don't, I'd love to see it, but I don't, I don't expect it to happen. I've got news on that. Yesterday, Pierre Lebron was on somebody's talk show and he shared the opinion on this talk show that he believes Mark Bergeron is looking for at least a second round pick for Ilya Kovalchuk. Oh, Bergevin. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's looking for at least a second round pick. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I've, I've heard that too. And he might get it, but I, I, I mean, we said it was a good signing when he was in the bathroom there, and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, but Kovalchuk, you know, our buddy Ryan was right. He's looked, uh, he's looked good, and and uh, he, he's been motivated, clearly, so uh, I, I think he'd, it'd be great. That would be, honestly, a great pickup, I think, for the Oilers, especially with what's going on right now. Um, don't wait for the deadline. Get him right now yeah. while we've got these guys out. I, I think that Kovalchuk could be a a really good uh, piece for the rest of the year for the Oilers. You know, before we get out of here on this 462nd uh, episode of Unscripted, I have to make note, you remember Owen Hart's death day. Oh, yeah. May 23rd, 1999. I'll never forget that. But see, I'm the same way with the day that Magic Magic Johnson Johnson. told the world that he is HIV positive. And I'll always remember because of you now, too. Well, yeah, it's November 7th, 1991. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how you remember dates like that. Oh, yeah. Forget, you know, things with your wife and kids and that kind of stuff, but I'll never forget. I mean, I, I remember I was sitting 
on Randolph Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas, on November 1st, or no, excuse me, November 7th, 1991. My birthday is November 1st. I remember November 7th, 1991, and I remember I was sitting in a meeting on Randolph Air Force Base when the news came up on CNN that Magic Johnson had come out publicly to the world that he was HIV positive, and I remember that just like you remember the day that uh, Owen Hart passed away in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. It's amazing. We've got to run on this uh, 462nd episode of Unscripted. As always, we thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Freeform Friday is next as we wrap up another great week of shows here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said that, for the executive producer of our little program, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.